0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Woman Amidst podcast. My name is Katie Ray. I am one of your hosts, and we are so glad to have you here. At the Woman Amidst, we share stories of women who are in the middle of their stories. Um, So what does that mean? It's stories of women who have fought with courage through difficult places, of uncertainty, of the unknown, when they don't have all the answers and they don't know what lies ahead. Um, In a world that tells us that we have to have all the answers right now, we are striving to take Christ's perspective. So, in a in a sermon I recently listened to by our pastor, Pastor Daniel Grothy, he talked about this, how Christ came beside two men on the Emmaus road, and he didn't tell them everything that happened at the resurrection. He didn't tell them what they needed to do. He listened. He heard their story. He nourished their soul and he, he listened to them. And that's what we are striving to do through this podcast is helping give women a platform to share their stories so that we can listen, so we can grow and learn more about people who are different from us, women who are walking through trials that we don't understand, or maybe ones that we do, but either way we believe we can learn and grow from hearing their stories. So today on our podcast, we have Skylar Kamaka on, Skylar is amazing, she's a friend of mine. Um, From the last four years, we met when she was in pilot training in my husband's class. Um, She was Miss Hawaii, competed in Miss America, and she just comes on and tells us her story today. Talks a lot about femininity, about stepping out into spaces where you don't always feel like you belong at first, but taking the ownership of courage and courage of who you are. So Skylar's story is so fun and amazing. we are so glad that she shared it with us today. So thank you for joining in. Thanks for listening. And here she is. Oh, Skylar, thanks so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks like, for having yeah.
0: me. Like six months later.
1: It's okay. Lots of life going on. Um, so this is actually much better for me because six months ago, I was not in a good place to be giving any sort of life advice or sharing my story because I was like my life is terrible I'm in Guam
0: this is bad yeah well it wasn't just Guam it was Guam and then you were in Fairbanks Alaska for two months straight in a in just like a TLF hotel room right oh my gosh. yeah I wish it was as great as a TLF it was like not great
1: and I was in Japan. Uh, Japan was a tough one.
2: Did you have to do the whole two-week quarantine?
1: Yeah. So when I was deployed, um, this was, was it, June? Yes. June, um, June, July, I was in Guam. And that was like, we were the guinea pigs for the COVID deployment. So we oh, wow. were the first of like our group to get deployed. So they had like no idea what they were doing. They were just kind of winging it, and um,
0: oh gosh,
1: yeah. So it was really tough because they were trying to be like, okay, when you get there, we're gonna quarantine for two weeks, and then we're gonna work, and it's gonna be fine. And then it kind of like morphed into this like, okay, well you're you're gonna, um be quarantined but if you have to fly then you just go in and fly and then you just go back to the hotel and they had no plan for what happens if somebody actually gets covid then what oh, the, what that looks like so <laughs> obviously somebody got covid and it was like mass hysteria and oh, it was just a downhill oh. downhill tumble from there
0: but you never got covid no i am
1: the lucky the lucky few
0: hopefully it'll stay that way okay well let's let's just start off well you know what before we have you introduce yourself I am just gonna say that I was thinking about having you on this podcast and I was thinking about like oh when was the first time I met Skylar and I was thinking about how when we were at Columbus Air Force Base and this is before we met and I think I told Haley this
2: But I remember
0: hearing rumors about Miss Hawaii was going to be in Nick's pilot training class. (laughs) And it was like, you were like the hottest commodity of Columbus (laughs) Air Force Base. Because everyone was like, what? Miss Hawaii is going through pilot training? What in the world? (laughs) Which really just sets the stage for so much of what we're going to talk about today. But I do remember meeting you, and it was just so true to your personality that, like, you came over to her house for KRK, Katie Ray's Kitchen, which was the start <laughs> of that. many Katie Ray's Kitchens at our house. And you were so disarming and down to earth. Yeah,
1: it was. Oh, my gosh. It feels like I've lived like 10 different lives within my <laughs> short 30 years. So, yeah, just thinking about that Miss Hawaii time and then like, doing a complete 180 and then going the military route and then people having, like, all these preconceptions of me is just so funny because the, through the whole thing, I'm just like, I'm just me. Like, here I am doing the thing. Like, I just so happen to be Miss That's Hawaii so and I just so happen to, like, like flying airplanes. Like uh.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the best combo. So let's start with just you growing up in Hawaii, I think that's a great place to be because unless you have experienced not Hawaii, because a lot of people's experience of Hawaii is Waikiki. So, you know, the true Hawaiian culture that I've learned from you, which is so beautiful, collectivist, fam- collectivist family-oriented, you know, just tell us about your culture and who you are growing up Hawaiian.
1: Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Kaneohe on the island of Oahu. And I think the biggest thing or the, the best takeaway from understanding Hawaiian culture is it's very much a community. And it's like you're not only raised by your parents, you're raised by your aunties and your uncles and your neighbors and your friends' parents. Like everybody is responsible for you. And so... <laughs> it's also a lot of pressure because when you do good, like everybody is like all about it and you're representing everybody. And when you do bad, yes. you're representing everybody. So it can be really great or it can be like, Oh man, like I just let all these people down. But yeah. Um, yeah so growing up in Hawaii, I, I can't say that I know anything different. Like all I know is lots of family, lots of love and just, yeah, growing up in a a community of friends and living at friends' houses and cousins' houses and just aunties and uncles always taking care of me, um, dropping me off at practice or picking me up from school. I mean, it was just, yeah, it's just a very community-oriented type of um, culture. So I'm very thankful for that.
0: And I think it's important to note that community doesn't just like aunties and uncles aren't just blood relatives Mm -hmm. like i i like felt so embraced both times we've come to stay with you because your your aunties and uncles are our aunties and uncles and cal you know is just was so easily embraced by his new cousins and by you his auntie sky and it's so open to those who you who come into your culture which i love
1: yes absolutely hawaii and hawaiian culture is all about hospitality um so i just love that because yeah you're always welcome like even if i met you like for just maybe five minutes in conversation or like just in passing and i'd be like yeah you can come over anytime and like i actually mean it like you can come (laughs) over anytime you are always welcome uh, and that's just our culture and that's the way that we, gr- we grew up and that's the way that I choose to like perpetuate, um, you know, I choose to per- perpetuate that part of my culture, especially in my everyday life because I mean, especially in today's society, it's so easy to get mm-hmm. wrapped up in this Western way of thinking and very mm-hmm. individualistic and it's like, well, I don't have time to like entertain people or have people over But um, in Hawaii, it's just like, you know, you're kind of used to walking into your house and there's like, your friends are already there or, you know, your cousins came over and they're eating your food and that's just how it is. And you walk in like, oh, hey everybody, what's up?
0: Yeah, oh it's so beautiful. Yeah, I love that so much. I feel like I learned a lot just staying with you. So outside of your Hawaiian heritage, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are?
1: Oh, okay. If I give you the Cliff Notes version, I take it from zero to 100. Um, (laughs) Well, I was obviously born and raised in Hawaii. My mom raised me as a single parent for most of my life. So I think that also, um, like, cultivated a certain type of drive in me, where Mm -hmm. I saw my mom um, hustling to make it happen for me. And that kind of motivated me to have that same type of attitude growing up. And then also um, just throughout school and uh, college and whatever I I decided to do, I always had that like strong female lead in my life. So that was really great. Um, And then my step family came into the picture when I was in mm, like middle school. So I've had... um, step-siblings. I've got half-siblings on my dad's side. I have uh, a half-sister who's 15 on my mom's side. So I come from a very big family. My mom is one of seven (laughs) full siblings. My dad is one of seven. And technically, I'm one of seven. (laughs) So it's just like, I've got a huge family and I just love it so much. Um, And that's also why I'm so like family oriented as well, because I'm just used mm-hmm. to having like all of these people around all the time. Even though I was an only child, I was never an only child.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah definitely does. Let's, um, let's just give a brief segue to Papa really quick, because he deserves a mention because <laughs> he is such a phenomenal character. Let's just tell people about your papa.
1: Yes. So my papa is Sam Kamaka, and he is the most interesting man in Hawaii. So my family, or my great-grandfather started Kamaka Ukulele, uh, which is a well-known ukulele company. We've been around for 105 years. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, 105 years. So uh, my grandpa and and his brother took over the company, and pretty much my papa and is a master craftsman uh, of woodworking, but not just woodworking. Like he's just an amazing artist, and he's such a kind, giving soul, um, and just rooted in faith. Him and my nana were uh, just big pillars in the church but I mean we let's just talk about this man he's 98 and he is still going <laughs> strong like he paints he every day uh he'll sit at the back door and like paint our neighbor's house or paint a tree or paint the mountains and it's like Picasso painted these these yeah. paintings <clears throat> he is so talented and he's got arthritis and all of these things but that's not stopping him but yeah yeah he, he's amazing he is the most famous person in the family like everybody thinks oh you're Miss Hawaii like oh wow you're so famous I'm like actually
2: Skylar your life is just so crazy to like every time I talk to you there's like something else that just like unfolds where you're like yeah what like what is this girl's (laughs) history this is amazing I forget about
1: things. So I'm like, oh, yeah, he did that. Or, oh, yeah, I did that. Like, oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it was really amazing sitting and talking with him when we stayed with you the first time. And he was telling us about Pearl Harbor and actually watching it happen. And he, like, remembered the event. And that's obviously a huge, iconic event that we all grew up hearing about. But he's the only person I've ever spoken to that was there and living in Hawaii when it happened. And he was working on docks, like, across the bay, wasn't he?
1: Yes, exactly. He was working at the docks uh, at Honolulu Harbor. So it looked, uh, it was across the bay from Pearl Harbor. So they saw the um, Japanese planes flying over and pretty much just coming in to drop bombs on Pearl Harbor. So it was... Wow, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, just thinking about that, you see, we've all watched Pearl Harbor, the movie, right? And we've seen all the photos. And I'm constantly reminded, what you know, since I work on Hickam Air Force Base and being right next to Pearl Harbor all the time, there's still bullet holes in the buildings that we work in, you know? Yeah. And wow. so that's a constant reminder, but to have somebody or know somebody who's lived it, who's seen it, who's seen the aftermath of it um it's yeah it's pretty pretty humbling you know you're just like wow this guy has so much life experience <laughs> and has seen so much in his lifetime and yeah yeah you just have to like carol yeah. in his shadow <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's just it's no wonder that you pursued what you did with so much fervor because I feel like when you meet your family that is who they are. Like, they are passionate people who pursued what they wanted to, um, yeah, vigorously. And you've done the same thing. So, I mean, let's dive into that. I mean, how did this, you know, how did you end up in the Miss Hawaii pageant to start with and going down that path? Because that really was the start of this really big trajectory and really crazy time period in your life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It was definitely a turning point in my life. Growing up, I played volleyball, and that was my end all be all like everything revolved around my sport. And so I went to college on a volleyball scholarship. um, And then you know, As I was going through my years, I was approaching, I think it was my junior year, going into my senior year that summer, I was kind of fi- trying to figure out what I was going to do. Am I going to get my master's? I had been working on my degree in exercise and sports science with a minor in coaching um, with this idea that I wanted to teach and coach volleyball at the collegiate um, level. So, I mean, all I had known my whole life was sports. Like, I'm going to play sports, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do this. (laughs) Like, this is what I do. And uh, so I was actually volunteering at a sports day event um, in the summertime, and the current Miss Hawaii was there. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I had never met a Miss Hawaii. And she... Or she was walking around taking pictures, you know, meeting all the kids who were participating. And I forget, I don't even remember what I was doing. I was probably, like, handing out waters or something or, like, medals at the end. Like, something very not that great, not that important. But, you know, I was there. I was doing my community service. (laughs) And so I introduced myself to her because she was, you know, I was working with her and I was helping her take pictures and stuff. And we started talking. And we ended up talking, like, for a solid hour, like, just in between her mingling with everybody that was there. And she was like, you know, you would make a really great Miss Hawaii. And I'm looking at her like... "Oh." I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you like, I have my bun up, like, my titta bun. This is what we call a titta bun. I have my titta bun up on my head. I was in a T-shirt and, like, my flowery shorts and my slippers, no makeup. Like, I never wore makeup ever. And I was like, you think I would make a great Miss Hawaii? She's like, yeah, there's just something about you. I think you'd be amazing at it. And I'm like, okay, lady, you're crazy. Um, And I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll think about it. And she's like, yeah, and they give scholarship, too. So, you know, they can pay for your master's degree and everything. And I was like, oh. So that was the first, like, oh, let me think about this. Like, actually, think about this. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So I started to look into it. And then once I found out that uh, the Miss America organization was the largest scholarship provider for women in the country, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And I was like, I'm broke. I can't afford to go to college. Um, the only way that I was able to put my through, put myself through college was on this volleyball scholarship. Like that is what I've, all that I've known is if you want to go to school, you better get a scholarship. So I'm like, okay, let's make it happen. (laughs) And, um, so that was my first like toe dip into the pageant world. And when I say pageant world, it is a world. Like it (laughs) is something that you cannot wrap your head around until you've actually like experienced it or you know people within the pageant world. And I had known zero people in the pageant world. So I just went into it so blind. Um, But it was amazing. I think that being a little bit naive about it and just coming Mm. in as myself um actually helped me so uh, fast forward I decided oh yeah you know what I'm gonna give this Miss Hawaii thing a try and being the athlete and competitor that I am I was like okay well if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna win so (laughs) I need to know (laughs) what comes after Miss Hawaii like I need to know what Miss America is about because I'm going to win. So, so, that's, <laughs> so just that. that's just yeah. that. So, <laughs> that was my mentality going into it. So I didn't tell anybody. One, like I said, community, right? So if I'm going to succeed, everybody succeeds. But if I fail, then, oh, shame, right? So I didn't yeah. tell anybody that I was going to run for Miss Hawaii at first. And I actually went to the Miss America competition in Vegas, which was January um, of 2012. And so I went to the competition just to to watch and see what it was about. And I was like, I could do this. I could definitely do this. Like, I could figure out how the to confidence. do this. Yeah, I and I was it. like, I yes. could do this. And then, so you have to win a preliminary pageant first before you can compete at Miss Hawaii. So my preliminary competition was in February of 2012. And again, I didn't tell anybody. I told, like, my immediate family and a couple close friends, like, maybe three weeks before the pageant, like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to compete in this uh, local pageant <laughs> for Miss like, Diamond Hood. You're <laughs> doing a pageant? <laughs> exactly. And they're like excuse me? Like, come again? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this pageant. If you guys want to come, it's cool. If not, no no big deal. It's just really small. And, um, yeah, so I, and I was going to school in Oregon, too. So I had flown home to Hawaii to compete at uh, Miss Diamond Head. And since I'm a resident of Hawaii, like, there's, of course, different Uh, rules and regulations as to like who can compete and I've always been a resident of Hawaii I've never changed my residency so that's what allowed me to compete for Miss Hawaii Um, so I flew home February like just for the weekend like I flew in did the interview and then the competition was on Saturday did the competition and I ended up winning and uh, my family was just floored right because all they had known (laughs) is that I play volleyball and I don't wear makeup. I wear sweats every day to school. Um, and it's like, she just won. Like, she won Miss Diamond Head. Like, what? holy
0: smokes. Wait, what was your what was your talent? I feel like people should know this. Oh, yes. So I dance hula.
1: So that was my talent. And I actually uh, won the talent phase for Miss Diamond Head. I won talent sw- and swimsuit and one other thing you did
0: yeah girl (laughs) and
1: I okay that's like the only time I ever won swimsuit and really it was because I didn't know what to expect so I was um doing like volleyball workouts obviously that's all I know that's true so I went into it like looking like an athlete and not really looking like How your typical swimsuit pageant look, but I was like, "Hey, I've been working out, I feel good," and that is like (laughs) what want me to swimsuit. (laughs) I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, Obviously, (laughs) that changed after I learned Mm -hmm. more about the pageant world. I'm like, "Oh, this is how you want to look." Oh, okay, that's gonna take some effort. (laughs) Whoopsie. I was doing deadlifts and cleans and like all the, those type of work.
0: Well, you don't, you don't want me to bulk up for your swimsuit competition? Like, Come you on. You don't like my quads? Come on. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: So then I won uh, Miss Diamond Head and then that was, so once I had won my local, then I was like, okay, I guess I can tell people now. And then I was like, oh, hey, everybody, I'm going to run for Miss Hawaii in June. So that's going to be exciting. And <laughs> Um, Usually, you know, people in the pageant world, it's very uncommon to win your first try at Hmm. the state title anyway. Um, A lot of people try for like two, three, four years uh, before they actually win the state title. So I was very fortunate that I came in. I won Miss Diamond Head and I won... Miss Hawaii, uh, my very first attempt at yeah. the pageant world. So yeah, it was exciting. Yeah.
0: What was that moment like when you won Miss Hawaii and you were like, holy crap, I did it. I'm going to Miss America. Exactly what it was. I really
1: did it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I So I remember standing on the stage and I was, the way that they did it that year was a little bit different. So they announced the fourth, third, second, and first runner up. So there was five, there was seven of us on the stage. So they announced mm. fourth, third, second, first. So then there was three of us still standing
2: together. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah, so yeah. it could've
1: been any three of us. So it was that's so
2: crazy because then you're like, you either, You either, you know, win or you don't get anything. You don't get anything.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So I'm like, it's going down. My heart's racing. I'm like in and out of consciousness, really, because like the lights and I'm just so nervous. (laughs) And uh, I was standing with my good friends, Courtney Gaddis and Carissa Connell. And I was on the, the far looking at the stage. I was on the far right side and I'm holding their hands. And they're like, okay, and the winner is, and I'm just like, oh, God, like, I might faint on this stage, like, and I'm in my head, I'm like, it's got to be me. Like, please say my name, please say my name, or like, please say Miss Diamond Hood. And then they announced it. And I was just like, in total shock. And I just crumbled, I was crying. And um, the girls were just like, hugging me like, oh, my God, you did it. Like, go, go up there, go get your crown. And I'm like, (laughs) What do I do with my hands? Like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my hands. And so, yeah, I was—I genuinely was just completely in shock because I had worked so hard for this moment. I poured everything into it, trying to learn. I mean, a huge, a steep learning curve, and I just threw myself into it, into this crazy world of pageantry, and I won. Uh, being my authentic self mm. because I had, n- I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to like yeah. play the game or answer the yeah. way the, the judges want want you to answer the questions and all of these things. I, I had worked on my interview skills and things like that, but I was always very authentic and true and said exactly what I thought. Um, I didn't sugarcoat anything. I didn't wrap things in pretty packages like I just said what I thought and I (laughs) I left it it is what it is and so I think Mm. having that um rawness uh helped me win my title and yeah it was it was the start of a crazy life-changing journey for sure and like I I hold it so dear to my heart because it was like, one of the most amazing years and also one of the toughest years that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I have a very soft yeah. spot in my heart for the yeah. Miss Hawaii organization.
0: What, why was it the toughest?
1: Uh, I think because it was so different and there were so many expectations for me. And that was the first time that anybody had ever... Uh, like anybody had ever been like, well, this is what we expect you to do. So you need to do, you know, you need to like, yeah, act and look a certain way. And there was a lot of pressure riding on it. Because one, I represented myself, I represented my family, I represented my culture as a Native Hawaiian, uh, being yeah. Miss Hawaii, there was so much riding on my shoulders, because there had been many Miss Hawaii's that weren't Native Hawaiian and they were all wonderful mm. but I think being Native Hawaiian and representing the Hawaiian culture and the state and everything that like the Hawaiian mm. people uh you know hope to be their dreams and aspirations to to be better in society and to mm. just like be in the limelight and be acknowledged and and recognized uh yeah. was huge so It was, it was a lot of pressure, but I embraced it and I really loved it. And I tried to keep myself as busy as possible. So I was doing three events a day. I would have an event in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening I would wake up and I was living at home with my family. So I'd wake up, nobody's awake yet. I'd be gone on the road. I have my crown in my car already with all Mm -hmm. my different shoes in the trunk. So if my car ever got stolen, they would have had everything. Like I I had it ready to go in the car. I had all my different shoes. I had all of my clothes that I needed for the entire day. Mm -hmm. And I would just be on the road going to these events, um, speaking events, reading to kids, going to the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Uh, And then in the evening, it would be like, a hula gig where you know Miss Hawaii featured dancer at whatever company party and yeah. you know la 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 like all the glitz and the glam, and then I would come home and my family would all be asleep like I probably didn't see wow. them ever, uh, even oh, though yeah. we lived in the same house. And yeah. so it was, it was a lot. It was also living um, this glamorous lifestyle or putting on the idea of this glamorous lifestyle when I was really a broke college student um, who had zero money in my pocket. My family was, you know, scraping to meet, uh, to make, make ends meet, living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. in debt. But I had to put on this facade that, hey, we got it together. I miss Hawaii. Everything's great. Thankfully, I had amazing sponsors who provided me with clothes and a car and um, all these amazing things. So without them, like, there was no way that I could have been the ideal Miss Hawaii that people expected me to be.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. How do you feel like some of those expectations changed you?
1: Uh, I think it opened my eyes to... I would say Western society a bit more because all Mm. I had known was Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian society. And, um, it was, it was a lot of life to take in all in one year because I went from being nobody to being a celebrity overnight. Um, Right. Yeah. And that was, that was crazy because, you know, at the time Instagram was not quite a thing yet. But so my Facebook friends went from, like, you know, 200 <laughs> Facebook friends to, like, 2,000, you know, friend requests overnight. And I'm just like, whoa, what is this? And, yeah. and I hadn't really experienced life. I mean, I had traveled to the mainland. I had done gone a lot of cool places, but to, like, integrate with people on a level where they expect things of you and... Um mm. you know, you have random people telling you like, Oh, I'm cheering for you. My my daughter looks up to you so much, and having that weight and that responsibility on my shoulders was kind of like, wow. I realized that even though it was just like a silly pageant, right? I had just won some pageant that I could actually invoke change in my community mm. and then also across the yeah. world, because I represented Hawaii, which was like the, you know, Hawaiian hospitality and all of these things. I was traveling to Japan, I think, six or seven times that year, representing wow. the Hawaii Tourism Bureau. So I'm I'm in Japan, I'm promoting like, come to Hawaii, it's so great, you know, all of these things. So I was thrown into this whole uh, other world, really. And it just really yeah. opened my eyes. And I'm so grateful for those experiences because I appreciate my culture so much more and I also am like very proud of it but also know how delicate it is and how much mm. representation is so important and like authentic representation is so important instead of the Waikiki cellophane and all of those things so <laughs> I I realized yeah. I realized early on that I had an opportunity and an obligation to educate people and to um, inform them, and then also inspire like young girls from yeah. Hawaii to believe that they can they can make it. They can do whatever they want to do,
0: so you know, bringing it all back to the Miss America pageant, you were coming with this huge, Um, Yeah, responsibility of representing, which I think is so good for people to hear, not just representing your state, but really representing your people, which are the Hawaiian people. So what was that like entering the Miss America pageant with that kind of riding on your shoulders and already we talked about, you know, you had that year of experience, but at the same time, all this was really new to you as well.
1: Um, Huge, huge learning curve, like I mentioned. Um, but going into Miss America, I think looking back on it, I wasn't fully prepared to take on the responsibility of being Miss America if I had won, mm. if I won. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I, that was going to be the right, like that was, that path wasn't for me. Like my, my yeah. My path and my purpose was to represent Hawaii and to represent the people and do the best damn job that I could, right and and put Hawaii yeah. a, and showcase Hawaii on a national platform and uh, make my family, my people, my state proud. That was my huh. that was my path to walk. Um, right. Winning Miss America probably wouldn't have been good for me, (laughs) Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The job of Miss America is very, very daunting and very difficult. And you take all of the pressures that I was already feeling just being a state representative, and now you're representing Mm -hmm. the entire nation. And there's so many different people that you're representing – as Miss America, I mean, yeah. minor all of the minorities, all of the white supremacists, however you want to call it. But there's just a huge spectrum of people that you represent. And right for Ooh. for me, thinking about it now, which I never really thought about, um, I just couldn't do it. Like that that wasn't yeah. my path to walk. Thankfully, the girl who won, Mallory Hagen who is also one of my really great friends, she was representing New York. So she had that type of grit that she could take on mm-hmm. the world. Because, you know, people from New York, they're just bred different. Or they she, really are. Yeah, that is she's,
0: the truth. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I mean, I'm, she's not from New York, but she's actually from Alabama. So you take the Alabama type of right. lifestyle, which we all know growing, you know, living in our brief stint <laughs> in the South. So she grew up in Alabama, moved to New York, had all of these amazing life experiences. I think she was in New York for like eight years or something. So that's a good chunk of Mm -hmm. life to like, you know, learn about stuff. And I think being from New York, she was able to recognize all of these different... um, people and facets that America represents, and she was able to to represent them extremely well. I would say I'm biased. She's the best Miss America ever, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but <amazing>. I'm biased. <laughs>
0: Um, Just as a funny side note, I have only known two people in the Miss America pageant, and you were both in the same pageant together. Miss Virginia, Rosemary Willis, and I grew up together. We were babies together, and then you two happened to know each other, which was such a small world. But what I loved about it was outside of the winning and the competition was just from what I observed from her experience and yours was the community that you formed with other women who were really set after the same thing. At least they seem to be set from the same cloth of these really dynamic, strong, powerful women who are trying to make a difference in their lives and other people's lives. And that's why they entered the pageant world.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Most amazing women I have ever met, hands down. Mm. Um, and it was an honor to just be recognized among them because mm. every woman that you spoke to in that class and all of the classes every year, the the classes at Miss America are phenomenal women. And it's so funny because all that people kind of think about when they they hear pageant girls is like Miss Congeniality, right? Or like catty girls, like cutting each other's dresses and things like that. And it's like, no, actually it's the complete opposite. Like we are so supportive of one another. We want each other Mm. to rise and to do well and to – to succeed in every facet of their lives. Um, So, yeah, and I keep in touch with them still to this day, and we do reunions and, you know, weekend getaways, and uh, we all went to uh, the Miss America competition the following year to watch Mallory crown Mm. the next Miss America, and, yeah, it's just a, a sisterhood 100%. so.
0: What a beautiful representation of what women should be. (laughs) Like what if we really did take that model and we came beside each other and supported each other, even when there was a winner and we weren't the winner. Like, could you stand beside your friends and even strangers and let them win beside you and cheer them on? Um, I feel, I feel pretty passionate about being a woman. I feel great about it. Um, (laughs) I think we're pretty awesome yeah. let's just say we're pretty awesome but and we do have a podcast called the woman Amits, but i just feel like that's a huge passion and contribution that Haley and i want to make to the world it's just that we stand beside each other we hear their stories we have compassion over areas of life that we don't understand and then we stand beside each other in victories and um how would you say that that propelled that idea for you being in this strong group of women and then leaving that you really haven't been in something like that since then but how has that changed the way you approached relationships and women since then
1: Oh it has just strengthened it has strengthened my my inner goddess I want to say where I'm like <laughs> I love it yes. I am I a goddess that. I can do anything <laughs> um but then also celebrating like you said other women who are amazing at what they do and you know rise Like, raising each other up, Um, whether it be, like, after Miss Hawaii, I kind of started working in the music industry, and there's so many, like, talented female singers and all Mm -hmm. this, and so featuring them and always giving them praise and helping them because, again, like, women are always underrepresented or and underestimated as well but i think especially, especially in the in the music scene right i mean it's like oh are you beyonce oh, okay well then no like you're you're not you're not allowed yeah.
0: i mean if we're all going to be compared to beyonce then what hope is there for us oh my gosh so yeah
1: just like supporting women and um you know being each other's cheerleader through everything even if it's like super like even if it's just little things like, oh, um, you know, Katie Ray, you're having a baby. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is amazing. And being your cheerleader mm-hmm. to be the best mom. And you too, Haley, like you're yeah. about to be a mom and just being <laughs> supportive and being like, you got this. Because there's definitely yeah. times where I'm sure you're like, I'm going to be a terrible mom or I don't know what to do with Cal. And, you know, yes, just that having that happen. support. Yeah. Um <laughs> Just in life and then as well as in your professional lives as well, so.
2: Totally. Yeah, it's just so crazy too. And then like all of a sudden your life takes a change and you join the military, which is a male-dominated field. So you go from, you know, the community of the pageant world and all these accomplished, amazing women, and then now you're like, okay, I'm going to decide to join the military and become a pilot. So what I would love to hear, like I've never heard this story from you about what led you to want to do that, like after you were Miss Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So it's kind of funny because I've always had it in the back of my mind, like I want to be a pilot. Because my mom was a flight attendant for Delta. So I grew up in the airlines. And then my uncles are pilots for Hawaiian. My auntie was a, or I have two aunties that are pilots, or not pilots, excuse me, um, are flight attendants for United. So, and then my other auntie is the manager of ANA. Like I just grew up always around the the airport pretty much and flying standby. (laughs) So I was like, I, and I had flight benefits. And that was really. The first thing I was like, Well, I want flight benefits for the rest of my life because this is great, yeah. especially living in Hawaii where you, you can't go those. anywhere yeah. if you don't have flight benefits because one, you're broke yes. from living in Hawaii, and two, everything is super far away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was like, Okay, how do I make this or like make this last forever? So, of course, at first, like when I was little. I was like I want to be a flight attendant like my mom and then my mom would be like no you want to be a pilot cuz you want to make an extra zero on your paycheck and I'd be like yes. oh, <laughs> oh I want to be a pilot and so it was kind of like <laughs> instilled in me when I was little yeah. like yes you can be more than just a flight attendant like you can be a pilot and yeah. I awesome. I think um I never I never believed that I could actually do it it was always like a far fetched I want to be an astronaut mm. kind of dream where I never put any, like, legwork towards it. It was just always like, oh, yeah, I want to be a pilot. That would be cool. Um, mm. But after winning Miss Hawaii, that's when... <laughs> I can do
2: anything. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it.
1: I won Miss Hawaii, and I was like, well, shit, I could totally go be a pilot, you yes. know? Like, because I went yeah. from being a volleyball jock and did... From that point, everybody, that was a huge surprise. Like, what? You want to be Miss Hawaii? Like, skirt, okay, I want to be Miss Hawaii. And then once I won Miss Hawaii, I realized, like, I could do absolutely anything that I want to do. So I said, well, I want to be a pilot. Then it's like, my family was like, skirt, she wants to be a pilot. Okay, we're going this <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, okay, let's amazing. do it. And then... Um, you know, so I start researching, how do I become a pilot? Like what, like Google, how, how do we become a pilot? And, <laughs> and so I started doing um, my private pilot's license, just doing some general aviation and seeing if those, this was really something I wanted to do. And I was like, mm. oh yeah, this is great. And then I realized, wow, this is really expensive. I don't think I could keep up this pilot hobby. Like how do I get this yeah. paid for? Um, And so uh, since my uncles fly for Hawaiian, a bunch of the guard pilots fly there as well. So they put me in touch with um, one of the pilots. Her name is Carrie Hironaka. She flies with me. Uh, She flies the 135. So she kind of introduced mm-hmm. me to what the guard was, um, yeah. Yeah. which is the best kept secret in the military world. For those of you listening, like, highly recommend looking up the guard and not doing that the really active duty good. route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: guard life. Yeah, yes, guard life. Guard life is the best life, <laughs> as <is>. they say.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I found out about the guard and I was like, I could do this guard thing. Kind of same way that I thought about like being at Miss America. I was like, I could do this thing. So I was like, I could do this guard thing. Like, I'll never be stationed anywhere but Hawaii. Um, and then I'm guaranteed to fly whatever aircraft they pick me for. And so I was like, this is a done deal. Like, why wouldn't I do Got this? Got it. Yeah. Yes. I was like, cool. How do we apply for the guard? Like, Google. Um, <laughs> so I that was kind of the, uh, the entryway. And mind you, I think from... From my Miss Hawaii time, I gave up my title in 2013. And I, again, was still on that that mindset like, oh, well, I got my degree in exercise and sports science. I want to teach and coach at the collegiate level. Like, that's what I had preached and preached mm-hmm. and preached to myself and then to others when I won Miss Hawaii because that's the direction I was moving. Right. So I got a teaching opportunity right after Miss Hawaii. Uh, and I taught K through eight PE, six to eight health, six to eight vocab. I was the JPO advisor and the athletic director, all for my first year of teaching. Wow! Oh wow! <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, kill me now!" Because I was not prepared for that. I, I was totally not qualified to be doing all of these things. But being Miss Hawaii and you know this. I don't want to say air, but the way that I carried myself, I guess they're like, yeah, she can do it all. Let's give her everything. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. No. Uh, so I taught for a year and I realized very quickly that I was like, nope, I want to be a pilot. So yeah. that's kind of yeah. what what really like nailed the hammer in like, all right, let's make this happen. Yeah. So I applied for the guard and again, the guard is very competitive, uh, especially in Hawaii So they usually only pick up one or two pilots um, every year. So being Miss Hawaii, that is a huge conversation starter um, because it's like you're looking at a resume, right? And that's what I love. That was probably the the most uh, rewarding thing that I took away from the year was all of the the networking and connections that I made and this forever conversation starter that I have to like – get my foot in the door with whatever I want to do because people are like immediately interested. They read it on on a piece of paper or on a resume that says like, oh, Miss Hawaii 2012, you know, pilot application. And then so that's always like the first question, like, hi, Miss Hawaii, like what are you yeah. doing here? <laughs> I'm like, hey. Yeah. And so I, I will ride that till the wheels fall off because it's always a great way to start a conversation and then, guide it in whatever direction that I want yeah. to take it and and educate people or, you know, get my foot and be like, yeah, I miss Hawaii, but blah, 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 blah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. What I One of the things that I just love about your story that I think is a huge takeaway for people, Skylar, is that um, I heard, this is like such a cheesy quote, but I heard it the other day that no success happens without action. And what I think is so beautiful, even before the confidence of being Miss Hawaii is there was there was something behind you that propelled you to take the step, you know, that took the step to apply for scholarships. Well, not apply, but, you know, you had to still work your butt off to get a volleyball scholarship to show up because, you knew that was the way you're going the only way you're going to go to college.
1: I applied and then for choose... every scholarship as well. There was like a left handed <laughs> <There you're good. laughs> scholarship. I applied for that thing. <laughs> Everything. There's a <laughs> there is. Yes. Everybody okay, going to everybody school out there. noted Please lefty no, scholarship.
0: No uh, but yeah, so like you applied for scholarships and then entering into Miss Haw- Miss, you know, um, Miss Diamondhead, and then, you know, pursuing Miss Hawaii. And it's just like, there's so many things that you confidently stepped into. What if, if there's somebody listening to this who is like, there is something that I want to step into, but I don't feel qualified because I am the girl who doesn't wear makeup and just wears t-shirts every day. I don't know the first thing about the thing that I want to do. How, like, what would be that piece of advice that you gave to help them take that step of faith?
1: I would say that the only person standing in your way is you. Like it really is. And it doesn't sound like much, mm-hmm. but once you can you believe that you can actually do something and you take that first step, no matter what it is, whether it's starting your own like small business or it's diving in to be like a full-time artist and giving up your 9 to 5 safe job because it's your passion and I would say just figure out what you're passionate about and chase it and fight for it wholeheartedly because Hmm. you're like, you're the only one standing in your own way. So once you get out of your own way, you're going to be amazing. And also know that there's people watching you, whether you think, whether it's like one person or a whole nation. Like there are people watching you and who are inspired by your story and your journey, even if you don't feel inspired, you know, whether it's mm. it's you're going through a hard time uh, and you you finally like turn a corner and you're finally making making it through. You could be that inspiration for just one yeah. person to to keep pushing, to keep fighting, to to make it through, mm. to know that there's going to be better days, uh, to know that they are worthy of whatever they set their mind to so that always remember that there's somebody who's watching you and you're inspiring them uh through your own journey so don't give up that would be my biggest yeah thing.
2: don't give that's up that's so amazing yeah I just you have this confidence about you that is like really like it radiates from you and I think that's just so cool and this boldness and it really empowers me just to like Go do it, you know, like your confidence inspires me to. I'm like, I'm gonna go do it because Skylar says I can, and she, you know, paves the way for herself. And it's, yeah, it's just so awesome.
1: You totally can.
0: Yeah. And I feel like we could talk for so much longer, but we, well, we are gonna wrap it up soon. But on that note, we always ask people, well, we don't always do it. This is a new thing that we are planning to always do in the future, but since we are the woman amidst, and it is about being in the middle of our journeys and our stories, I've just, I'm thinking about, you know, that confidence that Haley's speaking about and stepping into things and how great that is. But there always comes that point when you are at the middle, right? When you're in the middle of the pageant and you're going, what am I doing? Or you're in the middle of pilot training in Columbus, Mississippi, and you're like, what did I get myself into? So did you have those moments? And what was that thing that helped you keep going?
1: Um, I, I'll talk about pilot training since we didn't really get to like hit on it. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. Um, but yeah, I I would say being in pilot training, um, again, huge, huge life-changing decision, um, totally different avenue from anything that I had ever known. I didn't grow up in a military family, um, in a sense that like, you know, I, my, my parents weren't in the military. I wasn't raised in this type of, you know, environment. Um, so it was very right. different for me, but going through pilot training and being the only girl in my class, which yeah, a lot of people, you know, they just like, Oh, wow, that's so great. You're going to pilot training, but to understand like, okay, I'm the only female in my class of 24, I think there was 24. 20-ish people. Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, 20 people and I mean really looking at all of the other classes, same amount of students, maybe 1z2z girls in each class and that yeah. was it. Mm-hmm. So, um, being in that environment really I was very grateful to have the experiences that I had and that strength and confidence and that mm-hmm. world perspective that I gained. during my years miss hawaii and i think that helped me to tune out the naysayers right tune out all of the people who who were doubting me and i gave zero f's about anything (laughs) these people were saying you know it's like oh she's miss hawaii she's not gonna make it uh and i could really care less and so just being in this in that environment and the daily grind I mean, you've all experienced it. It's crazy twelve hour days, nonstop. And that's I'm, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I would a lot of work. I would come home just like defeated, you know, like everyday mm. grind, just defeated. I'm like I didn't fly well. I hooked a ride. Um and there's so much pressure again riding on me because I felt like I needed to work twice as hard as my male counterparts, right? Because if I'm not perfect or if I'm not the best, then they're going to, you know, disregard me. Or if I mess up even once, they're never going to forget it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be like, oh, she's not good at that. Like, oh, the the girl, she can't fly. She can't do this. She can't do that. So I always had to Mm -hmm. work harder. And I think having a solid support system um, at home, And at the time in my relationship, uh, it was all of the difference for me. You know, I was able to to go through this daily grind and the tears and the letdowns and the triumphs and celebrate. And I think what's great is all of the guys in my pilot training class are like my brothers. And so we were able to, like, celebrate each other. Like, you know, we talk about women celebrating women like – These boys were all celebrating me every time, you know, I did something great. They're like, yeah, good job. And I was so lucky. i was so fortunate to have such a great group of guys to go through the suck with um, Mm -hmm. because not every girl gets that experience. And so I was very lucky. So, uh, yeah, just having having that solid support system and then also having Mm -hmm. that self-confidence, too, that I had. Right. Harnessed. I wouldn't say like created, but learned and grew and developed more so Uh, that confidence Mm -hmm. that I developed through Miss Hawaii and through going through the process of pilot training was really the thing that kept me going. And then again, like, like I said, um, having representing my culture, my family, Mm -hmm. my people in all these different facets in Miss Hawaii. And then also now in the U.S. Air Force and in the Hawaii Air National Guard and representing those little girls who are looking for uh, a role model or who are watching me and being like, hey, she can do it and just kind of reminding myself, like, you got this. Like, you are so much more than just, like, this one check ride that you hooked. Like, you're doing great. And so, yeah, just constantly reminding myself that, little girls are looking up to you and they're they're watching you and and you could be the difference for for them whether it's tomorrow or five ten twenty years down the road Um, you could have changed somebody's life just by being kind or just by pursuing your own passions and that's what really keeps me going
0: hmm that's so powerful um and like, not to dumb it down to a YouTube video, but I just imagine you as that little girl. Have you seen the one where she's standing from the mirror and she's like, I like my hair. I like my outfit. I like my laugh. Yes. I am awesome. I'm like, this is Skylar Kamaka every day before pilot training. She's like, I like myself in a flight suit. You can do this.'" Like my coffee yeah. cup. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Oh man. Yeah, Skylar, it's so good. I just feel like there's so, yeah, there's so much behind just believing that you're being watched in that powerful way of like we all have the opportunity to inspire each other. That's what stories do. That's the, like every day, the way we walk has the ability to tell more of a story than honestly our words ever will. It's when we say yes, it's when we keep going, it's when we push through when things are hard that it inspires somebody else to do the same. Um, So I'm really thankful to have you in my life because you've done that so well and been such an inspiration to me.
1: I love you so much. I love you both. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And if you want to chat some more, we can definitely do that because I feel like there's so many (laughs) things to talk about.
0: Okay, my last question, because I feel like this is kind of what drove me to want to talk to this well, I'll talk to you about this specifically, is just how has your view of femininity changed from being in two very different environments um, and many different environments, but being from who you were to this ultra-feminine environment to more of a masculine environment to, like, how has it shaped your view of femininity?
1: Uh, I think I never really understood like what womanhood looked like or what it was supposed to look like so I think that was great because I grew up being the ultimate tomboy I played tetherball (laughs) running around in the dirt like that was just (laughs) my life growing up um you know fighting with my cousins doing wwe in the living room like those aren't really like (laughs) girly type of thing so i just kind of grew up just being myself and i yeah. think as i stepped into these very different worlds uh i had this idea like oh okay well i'm supposed to look and act and speak a certain way now that i'm miss hawaii and then oh i'm supposed to look act and speak a certain way now that i'm in the military um and i realized throughout both journeys, um, that being a woman is in these different worlds that I could be smart, sexy, funny, intelligent, witty, um, whatever I felt. And that was 100% okay. You know, it was okay to be really smart and intelligent and have an opinion. And it was a hundred percent okay to like dang, I look good. Like, look at me in this dress and like own it and and feel good and put makeup on and love it. And then on the other hand, being, you know, just in this world of male dominance and, you know, where you have women are constantly trying to break ceilings. And I feel like a lot of people lose their personality, too, or they Mm -hmm. lose themselves in the military where it's you ha you can't you know be too loud or you can't be too vocal about things um you can't sh- you know be goofy because that's not like officer-like or whatever it is uh and then yeah. kind of navigating that and realizing like hey yes i can still be professional or i can still be respect uh, a respected pilot um and still be myself and be a woman and, you know, mm. wear my hair in a ponytail now that we're allowed to and wear my hair in a ponytail <laughs> or a braid um, and yeah. have nail polish and still be badass. Like, it's all totally yeah. okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think just embracing your authentic self um, mm. is what I view femininity as. And yeah. it can come in, like, so many variations like there's no box there's no box for any of us right for our personalities for for defining what a woman is or should look like or how she should act like there's no formula for it it's just being our authentic selves and supporting each other and loving each other and that's what like sisterhood and you know, being a woman is all about and being goddesses. We're all goddesses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. I love that. I remember feeling that after college, I like went through this phase. I don't know what it was where like a lot of my friends, I felt like we very like, we're very a little bit more of the like, we don't wear makeup. We don't do any of this. And I remember doing that. And then I remember one day talking to, I think it was my mom. And I was like, I straightened my hair or something that day. And then I was I don't know why it struck me so much, but I was like, I feel really great when I do this and I curl my hair and I dress up. Why do I feel some shame when I do this? Like, why do I feel shame when I, and it was just the culture of people who I was around who are wonderful and who were probably being themselves, but I wasn't being true to myself. Um, And I feel like over time that's shaped and like, and has gone through ebbs and flows of what myself even feels like based off of the season that I'm in. But I do think that's so important that embracing our femininity is just embracing you, embracing who you are in that season. And there are going to be, and, and letting yourself feel beautiful in whatever, you know, whatever type of hair you're wearing that day (laughs) or however much makeup you're wearing that day, which I love.
1: Yeah. I think that's so important, too, is, like, recognizing that there are seasons in life and now, mm-hmm. you know, us being in our 30s, our thriving 30s, looking back yes. at, uh, you know, the person that I was in high school and even in college, um, it's, I, I don't want to say I'm a different person, but I have evolved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my view in the, of the world has evolved, the view of myself um, has evolved and what I value. And I think just embracing that and taking it in stride and realizing like, yes, I was 21 at the time and I was a size four and life was great. Like that was a season <laughs> in my life that I will probably never see ever again. And it's okay, like I'm still beautiful. Uh, you know at 30 years old uh, with wrinkles and laugh lines and extra pounds from drinking wine and eating cheese and loving life like (laughs) it's
0: worth it it's totally
1: worth it and understanding that that this is just the next season of life and we can recognize it and uh, give love to that that phase of life and still Mm. be proud of where we are right now and I think that's a huge thing it's like People are ashamed of, or women are ashamed of where they're at right now in their life because, oh, I used to be this or I used to be Miss Hawaii and I used to be, you know, this size and I, I, I wore this dress and now it's like, well, I'm like a size 10, 12 at Old Navy and like you know, yeah. we just wear target dresses every day. Like it is what it is. And that's totally okay. And be yeah. proud of where you're at because you have accomplished so much in your life and you're just yes. moving on to the next phase.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look at what you've gained. Like, yes, you might have lost the size four pants, but look what you've gained since then. Look what came with A little bit extra weight. It's like, look at what came with the extra laugh lines and wrinkles. So many memories and great experiences. And look what came with the wider hips, a baby. Or, you know, it's like we look at what was lost, but we forget all that we've gained Mm -hmm. in the process. And would you really give that up for a little bit smaller hips or less wrinkles? I wouldn't. Yeah. Not worth it. Oh man, this has been good. Thanks, Skylar.
1: <laughs> no problem. I love this. I want to talk with you guys all the time. Can I just be a regular?
0: Yes. Next up, every week for the next three months, Skylar Kamaka. <laughs> I know,
2: right? I feel uh, like still a series. <laughs> exactly. Yes, like there's still so much it. that we like have yet to unpack, even.
0: Oh my gosh, I th- was my Siri just talking? Hey Siri. Did anybody else hear that? Hey, Siri, Siri just chimed in. She's like, I'm a woman. <laughs> know, Bye, Siri. Get saying, out of here. Hey, Siri. And now she's yeah. popping up <laughs> <laughs> she everywhere. It's like, what? Sorry. Did you say my you name? Did you say my name? <laughs> You're talking about femininity? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, this okay, guys. Awesome. This was so good. Um, thanks so much, Skylar. We love you. Appreciate you. And we'll have you back soon. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. And here's another big thank you to Skylar for
2: joining us for the interview and sharing her story. We're trying something new to grow our community and we'd love to buy one of you guys coffee with each new podcast release. To win the coffee, simply post a photo of yourself listening to this podcast or post a screenshot of the podcast episode itself on your Instagram stories and just tag us at the woman amidst. We'll randomly pick a winner on Friday afternoon, April 9th. And if you just want to stay in the loop, come over and join us on Instagram where you can find recent updates and upcoming episodes. We'd love to connect and chat with you guys. That's all we have for this episode, so thanks again for listening today and have a great rest of your week.